Welcome to the More Than Hearers podcast. I am Orion Williams, and I'm here with Peter Willis, and we are going to talk some Bible to you today. Um, mostly Peter, because he's the speaky guy. But I, I'm going to be here, and I'm going to say some stuff, and I'm going to offend somebody, probably. <laughs> it's what we do. Uh, yeah. It's just, uh, if someone's offended, Orion, how can they get in contact with us? We have an email address for that, Peter. Um, podcast at morethanhearers.com. And, or, if uh, if you happen to be on the Facebook, facebook.com, Facebook I can do this, slash morethanhearers. Uh, directly, if you're on Twitter or Instagram or some other thing that has an at symbol in front of it, uh, you can find me at Orion plays music, and Peter's at at. Is it at at? Is that okay? At at. He's at at. Yeah. M T H underscore Peter. Uh, we are in the book of Ephesians. I know that we did chapter one last time, so we must be in chapter two. I think that's the plan. I, I did want to add to. Also, if you're not offended, you're still welcome to message us anyway. Oh. Uh, I, is that better? I don't want to. It's better. I think I we've only gotten. I don't. Most of the emails or Facebook messages, at least that have come to me, have been encouragements. I really like those too. Uh, it's nice to know. You know, we get together regularly to record these, and we, uh, Orion and I, are sitting across the table, face to face with each other. We're both wearing flannels tonight uh, oh. with blue in them, although neither of us are wearing blue flannels. Nice. Orion's is predominantly I would call it red. red with blue. Mine is a mixture of uh, cream color, blue, and olive. It looks better than it sounds. But we are both wearing flannels very with blue on them. But that being said, this is it. I, like, we get done, we, we stop, we, you know, we push stop on the re- recording. What'd you think? I thought it was great. What'd you think? I thought it was great. Uh, but uh, it's nice to hear from people who are listening. We don't... Uh, yeah, unlike, real actual feedback. Unlike teaching in a like a classroom situation or a church like preaching congregation type situation where you have at least people sleeping or not sleeping or what some sort of feedback, uh, the only way we get any feedback is if you guys shoot us a message. So please feel free to do so. And then I, I like actually in that we can do this and actually receive feedback from someone who's taken the time to think about what they want to say and present it in their best chosen words because uh, it beats the heck out of after you've given uh, a sermon or you've, you've taught or whatever, and then getting, great job. <laughs> and then that's it. It's like, okay, I'll file that under but, but, but not what? helpful. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, why was it great? Yeah. Why was it bad? So, uh, yeah, let us know. I, I think we're going to benefit from all that discussion. Absolutely. That being said, uh, man, episode 18. It seems like just the other day we were spazzing out about 10 and we are charging headlong towards 20, which is twice what 10 was. Yeah, it's 100% of it. Yeah, you oh, no, called it's 200, is it 200, it's 200% of it. It's 100% more. 100% <laughs> Sorry. more. Sorry, yeah. math geeks. Either way, I, <laughs> this isn't a math podcast, and now my head hurts and I need to lie down for a little bit. But uh, I remember celebrating the 10th anniversary, and now we're coming to the 20th anniversary. I'm not sure if it works that way, Peter. I don't <laughs> is it the anniversary of the 10th anniversary? Uh, uh, it doesn't matter. Remember that time Orion gave Peter a hard time about making up words? <laughs> <laughs> Every episode. The nerve. Yeah, what the heck. Ephesians chapter 2. As always, uh, I'm rocking the NIV. Feel free to follow along in your version of choice. 
But, uh, you know, we started out last episode in the book of Ephesians. We gave a bunch of background, and Paul kind of jumps right in and uh, tails off the end of chapter 1 with, you know, Christ having all authority and God placing everything under his feet and Christ being the head of the church. And then he's going to kick off chapter 2, and he's going to totally put us in our place. He goes, as for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins. Everybody feel encouraged? Because mm, I do. So far. Oh, the sentence keeps going. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. I want to pause because I, I really wanted to clarify something here. Um, and, and I knew it when I prepped, but I forgot until I read the, uh, it got into verse 3. So if you're following along in your version of choice that's not NIV, this isn't going to matter, and so you can tune us out for just a minute. If you're following along in the NIV, I think we ran into this maybe at some point with Romans, but if we didn't, I want to clarify. Say you're in a paper NIV that your grandma gave you 15, 20 years ago, and you're reading along with me, and you go, wait a minute. A couple of those words he said were different. Is he just shooting from the hip? Has he got it memorized or what? I actually have an NIV in front of me. But uh, in 2011, I may be wrong, uh, they did some minor updating to the NIV. (gasps) Mm. They They changed the the Bible. Bible. (laughs) Uh, No, that's not what they did. What they did is this. Anywhere um, in the New Testament in particular where the Greek was a generic non-gender pronoun. The early NIV translators, which I think was 1978 or 79, somewhere in there, just used the masculine he or brothers or that sort of thing. So when they updated in 2011, anywhere where it was a non-gender specific pronoun, they edited it to he and she or brothers and sisters or something to that effect. There's no offense there. If you're offended there, I'm terribly sorry, but you're looking for things to be offended about. There is no offense because there was no gender in the pronoun in the first place. And the writers just are trying to update it to be more correct in the translation. Then there are other things like what pop up in verse 3. Verse 3, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, my 2011 NIV says. Your 1978 NIV may say, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. They are the same thing. Just the word translates better based on our modern understanding of ancient Greek. Um, The word there uh, in Greek is S-A-R-X or sarx, I guess. Um, It refers to just generically the sinful state of human beings. Um, Yeah, not the physical flesh. Right. And so sometimes translated as sin nature, sometimes translated as flesh. These are not divisive things. They are the same thing, just translated a little differently. But I wanted to clarify it and state it just so it made sense as we bump into it going down the road. So you don't go, is he not? He's not reading the Bible. He's just making it up or he's got it loosely memorized. No, it's just just some minor 
uh, updates. So that being said, let's go verse 1 through 3 again. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were, by nature, deserving of wrath. If you've been with us since episode one, so much of this for me echoes Paul's letter to Romans, to the Romans. Uh, just chapter one in particular, where he goes, uh, God's wrath was evident um, on all those who refused to acknowledge him or give thanks to him. And it talks about how um, you know we were all at one time slaves to sin. We're going to be a slave to something, so either we're a slave to sin or we're a slave to righteousness. And this is just a shorter, cleaner version of that, of we were dead in our transgressions and sins, every single one of us. The wages of sin is death. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You were, and you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And particularly as Americans, we don't want to believe that we follow anybody. We have freedom. We have individual liberty and rights, and we don't follow anybody. But the truth is, is you're following somebody. And if you're not following God and you're living according to the flesh or your sin nature, you're following he who controls that. And that's the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the enemy. That's Is that Satan? Yeah. yeah I think that that's the name we give him. Sure. Yeah. Call him what you want. Beelzebub, if you will. Uh if you want to use a bunch of okay. syllables you don't have to use. Um, but yeah, th- that's exactly what it's referring to. So uh, I got an interesting angle from this, I think. Okay. I mean, not a lot of people... I don't hear a lot of people say this, so I bring it up. So it's probably controversial. No, but, please. That's uh, great. I love it. The uh, You hear... You <laughs> <laughs> can't believe that just happened. Go ahead. You hear people um, talk about God... As, as if the the kind of he, he's the guy that makes the wind blow, like he's the one that actively works everything in the world. You'll hear, you know, and I think it's people trying to give God credit here. But then in this, it says that I, we're going to use that word or name Satan. That he, that Satan is the r- ruler of the kingdom of the air. I think another translation might be uh, New, New American Standard says Prince and Power of the Air. Yes, and that's the one I know I'm more familiar with, but. Uh, I just, I think when we, it makes me wonder when we attribute things, are we attributing them to the proper authority? And I think you can go wrong uh, in that. But I, I think next time you're at a, like a picnic or a barbecue and you step away, you leave your plate of potato chips to go grab a soda or punch, and then the wind takes that plate right off the table and dumps your chips all over the ground. I That's got to be Satan. I think it's okay to blame Satan. Yeah. <laughs> so who else dumps chips on the floor? Anyway, it's, are ants at a picnic also Satan? Uh, sure. In, okay. Ants in general. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's that. Somebody's going to write in and go, ants actually are very helpful. They do this. Okay. Uh, great. They're <laughs> Great. Tell me about mosquitoes. Yeah. Oh, don't even start. Head lice. Head lice got to be of the devil. Nothing. Okay, let's go on. <laughs> also, uh, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were, by nature, deserving of wrath. I don't know how many of us really want to hear that. 
But that's the truth. If we're in sin, we're by nature deserving of wrath. Verse 4, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. I don't know if you know this or not, but Paul's going to say this uh, more than once in this letter plus his other letters. We so desperately want it to be because of something we've done. Well, I accepted Jesus. Cool. That's by grace. You, you didn't do anything. You, you just gave up. It's a, it's a free gift. You just, you just got to go, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm about that. Um, but it's given to you completely free. And I love that verse 4 makes it so clear. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Do you guys realize this, that you're a testimony? Ugh, such a church word. That sounded cute. Uh, your life testifies to the grace of God. You are, it's testimony, that's the word. Mm-hmm. You are a testimony of the grace of God. If somebody had to go to court um, and try and prove, uh, the, the judge and the jury want to hear that God is grace, gracious. God is full of grace. And you go, uh, call your first witness. And they go, I call the stand Orion. This guy is a dirty, filthy sinner, and God loves him and is seating him in the heavenly realms with Christ. Amen. And they go, uh, case dismissed. <laughs> uh, we, we, the jury, find God guilty of being gracious and having grace. That's you testify to the grace of God. Verse That's awesome. 8. This, here it comes again. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, a lot like a lot of the verses we hit in Romans, this is another one of those, if you spent any time as a Christian in a church, you've heard this verse uh, more than once, probably more than a lot of times. Um but it, and the reason I, I, I preface it with that is this. It's kind of like John 3.16. We've all heard it so many times that it almost loses its punch. But that's it. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. All the way back to Romans 4 and 5. We're justified by faith. Not by works. Not by anything that we do. Why? So that no one can boast. You cannot go, yep, I got saved because I lived right. Yeah, I got saved because I didn't sin as much as that person. Or I got saved because of this. Nope, nothing you did. Not of works. You have no way to boast. Somebody once said, and I have no idea who it was because I heard it third hand, but there's this quote that says, the reason that the gospel is so offensive to people is it reduces us all to beggars. The only way to come and receive God's grace is to go, here, God, I have nothing to give. Can I have everything? God goes, yep, that's, that's what I need from you is nothing. Uh, here's everything. It, we, we can't exchange anything for it. 
we give God a filthy, sinful life, and he gives us justification and eternity. It's a good deal? It's is, a, that, is that the way to put it? I mean, yeah, good, that, that's an understatement, Good seems right? to yeah. minimize it yeah. just a bit. It is a tremendous deal. It's the deal, deal of, of eternity? Of, yeah, I, was oh, try, I, was trying, yeah. I was trying to give it the proper due. You were going to say deal of a century, but I you was, were trying to go further. What's longer than a century? <laughs> deal of a millennium? Uh, yeah, I could have done A couple of millennium now. How long is an eon? I don't know. It's long. Okay. Okay. It's the deal of a lifetime. Um, absolutely. For we are God's handiwork. I I had this teaching I did a while back on uh, the first three chapters of Genesis, and something I saw in it I hadn't seen before was um, you go through the six days of creation. Um, some of you are going to write and go, there were seven. God mm. only did creating on six of them. Mm. On the seventh, he rested. Six days of creation. Uh, it says, God said, let there be light. And God said, uh, let there be an expanse between the the light and the the ground and sky and earth and let there be this and let there be animals and let there be grass and land and let there be and let there be and let there be. And then it says, and then God formed out of the dust of the earth man. And it just stuck with me that all this other stuff God just spoke into being. But for us, he formed us. And so this verse, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork. We are the evidence of God's work. God formed us. It says, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And you go, wait a minute, Peter. It says that we're created to do good works. You said we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, so that we can't boast. Yeah, you're, you're getting your math backwards. Uh, saved by grace to do good works, not saved by good works in order to obtain grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure you put the equation in the right order. So, all right, verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly, formerly, you who are Gentiles, that's me, by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves, quote, the circumcision, which is done by human hands, he puts in parentheses, and I love it because Paul goes, remember, Gentiles, you're, you were called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. And then he goes, which is dumb because they circumcised themselves. Mm-hmm. It's not like God miraculously went, well, these people, I'm going to miraculously circumcise them. They did it to themselves. And yet by somehow they took that as some badge of honor. Of It's like, uh, I'm part of the blue shirt squad. Well, yeah, you put a blue shirt on this morning, you idiot. Like nobody like put the blue shirt on you. Like it's not like you woke up one morning and went, I have a blue shirt on. I'm part of the team. Like, no, it's dumb. It's a dumb way to justify anything. Anyway, remember that at that time, meaning uh, you Gentiles, uh, you were called uncircumcised by those who called themselves circumcision. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now that Christ Jesus, but now in Christ Jesus, sorry, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, meaning Jews and Gentiles, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting it aside in his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations. I want to keep reading. But I I don't, because I can. Orion's like, wait a minute, did it say that? It says that. It says that. And 
And church, if you're listening or listeners or whatever you want to call yourselves, I want you to hear this because it's so true. It's good news. It's it's the best news. He goes, okay, Gentiles. He's talking specifically to Gentiles. I don't know if that's you, but that's me. That's Orion. We've had that conversation before. We We always tell everyone how Gentile we are. (laughs) We are all the Gentile. He goes, you are totally excluded from Israel. Back to Romans again. I'm probably going to be doing this for the rest of my life. I taught so much Romans in the last year. I can't teach on much without referencing it. But uh, back to Romans again. He goes, not all Israel is Israel. In this context, Israel is not a nationality. It is a belonging to the people of God. And he goes, uh, remember that at that time, back to verse 12, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel. That doesn't mean that your passport didn't come from Israel. That means you were excluded from being part of the people of God. He goes, and foreigners, uh, totally foreign to the covenants of the promise, um, which goes all the way back to the promises made to Moses and Abraham, without hope and without God in the world. He goes, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away from God, I added from God, but you who once were far away, far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself, meaning Christ, is our peace who has made the two groups, Jews and Gentiles, one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Stop there for just a minute because I, I know we're leading to the next verse. But this is so key because it still happens, unfortunately, and it astounds me that it happens. We try to build the wall again. Yeah, like when did Christians become anti-Jew? It's happened. More than once. Yeah, I, trying to, I was trying to think of when. But, uh, it's it's mean, happened. The Crusades are a great time, a great example of it. Um, but it, it even happened in the early church of, you know, Jews were definitely anti-Christian. And so in turn, Christians became anti-Jew. Stop. Christ was a Jew. This all came through the fulfillment of the promise came through the Jews. And through Christ, who was a Jew, the promise came to us who are Gentiles. There is no dividing wall all the way back to Romans. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Mm. It's all done. We all have access to God through Christ the same way. Jew or Gentile. Okay. And so by uh, dividing the wall, the destroying the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, verse uh, 15, by setting aside in his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations, except for tithing your 10% and keeping the Sabbath. And food laws. Yeah. Yeah. Don't eat bacon. Yeah. No bacon. If you're following along with your Bible, you know we're kind of being a little sarcastic. It says, setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. How, people, can you be so focused on keeping these small couple of aspects of the law when it says right here in your Bible and my Bible, setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations? Actually, he was bringing everyone together by setting these laws aside and by, yeah uh, there uh, this is such a big discussion like and we're not going to make it as big as it as it is but uh in the bible in your bible in the scriptures it it calls the old covenant yes the ministry of death Ooh, it cannot save yep it it only brings death yep. it condemns it does not give life and this is a huge issue, and people are going to take this different ways. But it's actually really good news that that 
has been done away with in another passage. That it's been, it's that which is uh, of no glory is passing away. So that that which is of greater glory, Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, uh, coming coming into the into the scene. That that so that can. Be, that's a permanent fixture. Jesus is permanent. This old thing was temporary. The law was a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. I mean, I'm, I'm just quoting scripture. Yeah. I'm, I'm cherry picking, but it's all there. It's such good news that that is not what our standard is anymore. We have Jesus, the example. That is our standard. And that he removed this whole restriction of what you can and can't do and what you can and can't eat and how you're supposed to live this ceremonious representative life. Versus a spiritual, applicable, real life. Uh, he just brought everyone together with that, but there's still people that want to hold on to these little fragments that he's already done away with. He's forgotten them. They're trying to hold on to the this old law that uh, I think I don't know if I, I haven't given this example here. When when the, the law is issued, a federal law or a state law is issued, we update all the records. The courthouses have all the latest law and. You are to live by the latest law. At no point is it okay for you to break the current law and then in your defense go, I was following the law from 1970 that you issued state of California or federal government. They go, that is not the law anymore. This is the law. But you said back in the 1970, no, that's not how it works. You go with the latest law. The latest law is the law of Christ. Be thankful for that. And so uh, just in case there's one of you who's firing up your email right now, you're like, podcast at morethanhears.com, I'm going to set these guys straight. They have quoted one verse, which is only half of a sentence, in this book uh, that maybe wasn't even written to the Ephesians, and maybe not even entirely by Paul, to defend this, the law, uh, Christ has, has done away with it. One of the verses I came across recently, there's this passage in Acts. Uh, Paul's been on a missionary journey, his second one. He comes back to Israel, and he's meeting with the apostles, including Peter and John and some of the other guys. And they've grown enough Gentile churches now that behind them, after Paul moves on to the next church, Jews come in and go, oh, you've accepted Jesus, uh, the son of Yahweh. Cool. Have you been circumcised? Are you still eating pork chops? Are you wearing a cotton poly blend t-shirt? You're going to have to stop doing this. We're going to have a circumcision class on Thursday, and we need you all to come out and uh, throw all your pork products away and your shrimp and all these things, and uh, we'll get you set straight. And so Paul and the apostles get together in Jerusalem, and they go, what are, we, what are we going to say about this? And there's much debate, and Peter finally stands up and goes, how in the world are we going to, it's, I'm not quoting directly, but look it up, it's in there. How in the world are we going to hold these people to a standard we ourselves and our forefathers have not been able to meet? The Israelites couldn't keep this law. How in the world do we purport to put it on anybody else? And then Paul goes, look, Christ in himself did away with it. His flesh was the fulfillment of the law. The law required a sacrifice for sin. Christ, his flesh became the sacrifice for sin once for all, put to death. Well, guess what? Didn't stay dead, rose again. Therefore, we all get to participate in the sacrifice, past, present, future. It's all done. It's finished. The law is no longer the method to get to God. Therefore, 
Why would you try to keep it? Why would you put that on yourself when we have freedom in Christ? All right, so there you go. Sorry. Uh, This is a a hot-button issue, I think, for both of us um, on different ends. So uh, next sentence, but it's in the middle of uh, verse 15. It says, His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, Gentiles, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Isn't it cool that this is in here? What you guys don't know is the 40-minute conversation Orion and I had before we ever pushed record. This is so key because we get... How caught up is the wrong... That's caught up works. It's fine. The Jews had, originally wandering in the desert, they had the tabernacle, this portable tent that was the dwelling place of God. They'd stop somewhere, they set it up, God would settle down in the tabernacle till it was time to move again. They get to Israel, they, they occupy the land, they get settled, they establish themselves. David goes, God, you're still living in a tent, and I live in a palace, let's build you a house. And God goes, it sounds good, but not you. And so his son Solomon comes along and goes, I'm building God a house. And he builds God this temple. And that's where God dwelled among his people. And it got torn down and they built another one. And America um, torn down again. But here's the thing. When Christ was crucified, it's in the gospel accounts. When he died, this veil that separated uh, where people would go and where God would dwell was torn in two. And God no longer dwells in there. And it says right here in Ephesians 2, right here at the end, it says in him, the whole building, meaning just this building of Christ and not a physical building, by the way, this is figurative, is joined together and rises to become a holy temple or a holy dwelling place in the Lord. And verse 23, I want you to hear this or 22, I'm sorry. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God no longer dwells in buildings or houses or temples made by human hands. We, you, me, Orion, those of us in Christ are the dwelling place of God. That's where God dwells. We get so caught up in these um Buildings that we fellowship in, these churches. Uh, When I was a teenager, it became really, it was a new thing for churches to just occupy a space in a strip mall or to rent out an old warehouse and and have church there. But some people didn't like this new modern church movement. That's not sacred. It doesn't have a stained glass window. They have a keyboard and not a piano. They don't even have someone playing an organ. God's not there. You're right. Guess what? The building with the stained glass windows and the organist and the pianist and everything else, 
God's not there either. Unless his people are there because God makes his dwelling in us. We are the temple of God. We are the church of Christ. Where we meet, whether it has four walls, three walls, no walls as a tent, I don't care. That's the house of God. Not the house of God. The people. Oh, the people. I meant the build, the dwelling. Oh, the dwellings. The the building. The building. So, the, no, the, wait, doesn't matter what. No, I thought you were going with. No, no. Sorry, no, no, I read no, you no. wrong there. That's okay. the The physical building is not the dwelling place of God. What happens Monday morning when the pastor's taking the day off because he's he's exhausted from preaching and none of us show up? Nobody walks into the building. Is God there? Is God hoping somebody comes by and turns on the lights? No. God is with you when you go to work and school and the store and you're driving down the freeway or you're folding laundry or you're doing whatever you're doing. That's the dwelling place of God. We misdirect, I think, we, uh, some of us, we, ah, we, we, misdirect our reverence for sheetrock and wooden nails when our reverence needs to be with the presence of God in our own lives no matter where we are. It's a hard paradigm shift to get if you have lived any portion of your life giving reverence to a building. And by no means should we just treat the place like garbage. We should absolutely treat everything with the stewardship God's called us to. But the reverence begins with the presence of God in our own lives. The reverence you have been giving to to four walls for most of your life, you should be giving to everywhere you go because that is where God is. Sorry if that hurts feelings or steps on toes. It's truth. I um, don't know where to end beyond that. I didn't intend to be that difficult. (laughs) If it's difficult for you, I don't know. I don't know. I'm really excited to keep going to the book of Ephesians. When Orion and I made the call to go into Ephesians, I thought it would be fun and encouraging. It keeps being more and more challenging, which means it's probably true.